Hello and welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. All right, I guess we'll get started. All right, um, welcome. My name is Robinson. I'm a recovering sexaholic. Robinson. And welcome to the panel on Winning with My Weakness. I'll be the moderator of this panel. In the spirit of the fifth tradition to carry the essay message, this session will be recorded. The recorder will not be turned off during the session. If you do not wish to be recorded, you may participate by listening. Please do not tamper with the recording equipment. And we'll begin the meeting with a few moments of silence, followed by the serenity prayer. Serenity prayer. God, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and with a sense of the difference, thy will, my mind, be done. All right. Will someone please read the essay purpose from page 201 of the white book? You're a great recovering sexaholic. Sexaholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength, and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop lusting and become sexually sober. There are no dues or fees for SA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. SA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution. Does not wish to engage in any controversy. Neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sexually sober and help others to achieve sexual sobriety. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Our panelists for this session are Ed, Kathy, and Jim. Each, each will share for 10 minutes on the topic, and we'll then open the meeting for sharing. Please join me in welcoming our panelists. Hi, I'm Kathy. I'm a sexaholic. My sobriety date is June 5th of 05. I'm very grateful to be sober, and I'm very grateful to be here and connect with my family. Um, this is the place in my life where I feel the most connected and the most safe. <clears throat> and I have other good things in my life as well, but this is, you all are really my people, so thanks for being here. It'd be really awkward to be here by myself. <clears throat> and I spent a lot of time in my life being by myself, at least on the inside. Um, this topic is really good, and I did a little reflecting on it this morning about it. And, um, and I was thinking what that means for me in recovery, and I'll get to that in a minute, but then it struck me what that was When I was growing up, it was not okay to lead with my weakness. It was unsafe to lead with my weakness. Uh, Emotions, whether up, down, happy, sad, mad, whatever, were not okay. It was to be suppressed. You should be seen and not heard. And certain emotions were unladylike and 
unchristian and therefore not to be expressed. So it just um, invited a lot of, uh, well, even abuse in my home to express yourself. And then, of course, what did I do is when I left home to escape all that, then I got into a marriage that was fraught with uh, abuse and uh, addiction and adultery. <clears throat> and uh, it was not safe there either to lead with my weakness. In fact, when I began to seek help and learn communication skills that you're taught and communication classes or therapy sessions to, you know, use I statement and when you say this or do this, I feel this way and that kind of thing. And I tried to do things right. I would always, research is a big part of my disease. And so it's also research of anything. So I wanted to do things right. So I would research these things about boundaries or communication and stuff. And also in in therapy was presented with them. And it wasn't safe. And it was not until that I got to a man who was a therapist who was very skilled in dealing with domestic violence that I learned those skills are for people who are in a relatively healthy relationship where both people are working toward getting better or getting closer. And what happens when I was with an abuser using those tools, I revealed my weaknesses, and that's what he went for. So wherever I expressed I was insecure, that sort of thing, um, that became a tool in his hands to be abusive. So it was really good reflection to see how that pattern in my life, I learned not to lead with my weakness in an attempt to be safe. So then I come into recovery, and, and to me, recovery feels like it especially felt that way now, and it still does to some extent, that everything is inside out, upside down, and backwards compared to the normal world, whatever that is. And um, so... I've had to learn to lead with my weakness, and it's been very um, uh, opportunity to grow, and it feels kind of ironic. A lot of the things I naturally had as a child, then I was told were not okay. I suppressed or changed or went away from, and now I'm relearning that to learn how to be not childish but childlike and to lead with my weakness and um one of those I'll do right now is anytime I'm asked to sponsor someone to speak or whatever, I go, my brain goes straight to the problem, inadequate, unworthy, alone, and afraid. And if I do participate and try to do any service work or let you know about me, that then I will be rejected. And um, God helps me to work through that. Of course, my sponsor and, and also people in the fellowship and I've learned that it is okay here to lead with my weakness and I'm also growing to a point that most of the time if it's not okay I'm still okay because I don't really care (laughs) you know (laughs) so it's a growth thing and I do want to tell one humorous example of this that actually happened in Atlanta a few years ago my husband and I were asked to speak in a breakout session in Atlanta and um and it was going to be on the topic of marriage and relationship and communication. And so, for whatever reason, it's just like a seven-hour drive from where we live to here. And um, so, I don't remember what occurred, but there was this conflict that was kind of really big. 
And so on the drive down here, we did not speak for seven hours. And if you know me at all, that's pretty unbelievable. And there was a lot going on here, but I wasn't wanting to um, have to look at steps eight and nine later on in relationship to my husband, so I decided to keep all that on the inside. So basically we got here and we go to the room. So we made up in the hall outside the door because it was going to be really hard to be like the two of us on a panel if we're not speaking to each other. (laughs) So basically what I did for that, we made up outside the door and when we came in and that's how we opened the session. I was like, so you've asked us to share on this topic and we do have some experience, strength and hope. But I do want to let you know that we just traveling down here did not speak to each other in the car for seven hours. So, you know, and that helped people to laugh and relax and I guess see us as human and and we were able to connect. And then that reconnected us. Today I don't remember what the conflict was about that would lead me to not speak to someone for seven hours, um, which is nigh on impossible for me. So those are some thoughts that have come to my mind. And um, I'm just going to turn it over to somebody else on the panel and um, maybe share later or after the session. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Jim Sexaholic. I I want to read to you what what we're supposed to do up here, and then I'm going to do what I'm going to do. So the the topic of this is... Leading with your weakness. No one wants to lead with their weakness, but that is exactly what step five and six require of us as a way of clearing our wreckage of the past and keeping our side of the street clean. This topic explores the necessity of admitting our wrongs honestly and openly, which will free us of the bondage of guilt. And that, I mean, there's a whole lot to talk about about that. But when I was asked to lead another one. I think it's going on right now about the heart. And uh, I said, well, that's kind of mushy for me. Let me do leading with your weakness because I'm really good about that. And so and so, this is how leading with my weakness works in my life. Let me read you a, it's a little thought for the day that I ran into recently. And it says, a relationship takes time and deeds. And this involves trust. It involves making ourselves naked to become sitting ducks for each other. And that's, you know, when I lead with my weakness, I I do that to some degree. I I, I feel it's scary, but I feel comfortable letting somebody know about my problems and then... And then hopefully following up with, with my solutions also. Um, there's one, there's one guy that I go to meetings with and I love him. I'm sponsoring him, but, but whenever we have a topic like fear or selfishness or self-centeredness, he always starts with, well, you know, I used to be afraid and I used to be selfish and self-centered until I got into this program and then blah, 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 blah. It's like, like, yeah, that was then and this is now. And I just, that doesn't work for me. Um, I I feel like I like to talk about, well, you know, I was afraid. I, when I woke up this morning, I was afraid because I have to lead this and I have to do this and that and the other. And uh, so I read something about fear and, and that worked for me. And I, I just I just would rather share my struggles 
at a meeting and my solutions. Now I don't, I don't like, I don't, you know, I don't think meeting, good meetings are just whining about your problems if you don't have something good to say. Um, but I, I just am not the type that says, well, you know, I've been around since blah 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 year, and uh, and I used to be afraid and. You know, I did step forward and I'm not afraid anymore. That's just BS if you ask me. Um, I, you know, it's not, I say this a lot, it's, it's not the hardest thing for me to do today to not act out. I've, I've got some history of not acting out and that's, that comes pretty easy actually. But what I call bumping into people, you know, saying the wrong thing at the wrong time, or doing this and doing that, or getting my feelings hurt, or hurting somebody else's feelings, I do that almost every day. And I have to talk about that and keep talking about that. I mean, that's why I keep. That's why I come here. That's why I'm here. I know our primary purpose is to is to is to stop lusting and help other sexaholics to to uh, stop lusting. That's my that's my primary purpose too. But. Um, if that's all there was to this program is stop lusting and stop acting out, yeah, I don't, it would, it's not enough for me. I gotta have a program of living and I've gotta be able to lead with my problems or lead, let, 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 let you know, and I'm a flawed individual and, and I have to do this and I have to do that step and I have to talk to my sponsor and I have to pray and I have to go to meetings and conventions and marathons and sponsor people. I have to do all that stuff to keep me from bumping into people so much. Um, thank God for the 10th step. Thank you. Hey, I'm Adam, a sexaholic. Um, powerlessness. <coughs> leading with your good, leading with your weakness. Good topic. Um, I so appreciate what was shared. Um, I also appreciate the topic of um, our families of origin and what happened then. My um, my acting out and my lust has always been same sex, and um, in your good old Southern home, you don't talk about that. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. I'm 55. I was born in 1964. You just it wasn't done. Um, when I was 13, I rolled the dice and I talked about it with my family and I tried to tell them and. Uh, Things went fine, so I said I'd really like some help for this, which meant taking it outside the house. And that's when things really went downhill fast. And then I just kind of said, note to self, we're never going to talk about this again. Um, there were other things that I concealed as well. I was incredibly angry at people, and I was incredibly scared of things too. But there really was no sense in, in talking about that because... I don't know. It, the, the idea of talking about it didn't even come to mind because, you know, we do what is modeled to us. And if being honest and open about our feelings isn't modeled, we don't do it. Um, I later learned in life that, you know, both of my parents came from really sick families, especially my mother. My mother, my mother had been horribly abused, horribly abused as a child. And she was just doing what came naturally to her. So my sister and I just kind of muddled through. Um, I'm going to fast forward to getting in the program. I got into the program when I was 32. And I had all the same-sex stuff going on. And that, to me, was the big, dark 
thing in my life. Um, and I remember the first S meeting I went to was an SLAA meeting, and uh, I met a guy there, and he said, you know, Ed, you need to go to SA. They're Nazis, but you'll get sober. And I thought, well, gosh, that's comforting, isn't it? Um, so I made up my mind I would go to SA, and I walked into the room, and I realized that these were mostly men, and the great majority of them are here to save their marriages. You are in the minority. You are same-sex. But you know, by the sheer divine grace of God, I rolled the dice, and I just told people when I went into the meeting, my stuff is same-sex. Now, here's what I was expecting. I was expecting people to politely nod and then just kind of move on their way. And as I joke with my buds at my home meeting about, as soon as I was out the door, they would just take out the Lysol can and squirt my chair down, and then we're all good again. You know, secretly we can all play nice. I mean, we can all just kind of play nice and then leave. But I wanted that out there because I didn't want any... Um, any mistake about who I was and why I was there. That's not what I got, though. What I got was people opening up to me, sharing with me, and holy cow, caring about me. And that was kind of a watershed thing with me. You mean I can talk about the nastiest things of my life, the darkest things of my life, and you'll still accept me? And that was huge. That was huge. So... I held on to that. Um, I'm going to fast forward again. Life out in life in recovery is very different. Life in recovery is much more fulfilling. But I am not perfect, and I still have same sex issues. Uh, I still get incredibly fearful. I still get incredibly angry. I appreciate someone sharing the fact that I'm not cured of anything. After you do the fourth step, you just get cured. Now I haven't had that experience either. Um, and I still struggle. I struggle with things. You know, nothing is, you know, there's no rose-strong path at this point. But what there is, is a peace with the fact that it's not rose-strong. It doesn't have to be rose-strong. I'm just another human being. The earth people out there that aren't addicted struggle with things. Why should I have it any better than they do? Um... <clears throat> My sponsor, I want to talk a little bit about my sponsor. It's so funny because he and I were so polar opposites from our outer people who we were. And yet when he connected with me and we would talk, he would always lead with his weakness and say, well, here's what's going on with me. Here's how I'm struggling. This and this and this and this and this. And I learned about his ongoing struggles. And yet, this guy had been sober, holy cow, since, you know, they got off the Mayflower. And got <laughs> you know, he'd been sober forever. And I thought, well, yeah. And I was finally seeing other people model how to be open and honest and be yourself. And that worked. Um, you, I think in time, I modeled it more and more as I went on. You know, we still have this thing embedded in our hands that we're supposed to take care of things. We're supposed to solve this, especially in our culture. You're supposed to solve your own problems. Well, I can't, and I'm scared. And sometimes the fear paralyzes me, and I've got to get rid of the fear. And that's when I call people. And um, my sobriety date is July 21st, 97. 
And, you know, I've gotten this stupid idea in my head that, well, since you've got all these years behind you, Ed, you should be able to handle this by now, and you shouldn't be feeling this way, and you shouldn't be blah, blah, blah. And that hasn't happened for me. Sorry. If I, if, I give an, if I get an F in recovery, okay, put it on my report card. But it's not the case. And I've still got to say, okay, today in the meeting, so-and-so triggered me. And by the way, just a, a shout-out to the ladies who come to a predominantly male meeting. I, I get it. And God bless you. God bless you because I know how it feels. Um, and I just have to talk about it. But, you know, what I've also come to realize recently in the past couple, three years is that if I'm powerless over something and I have total weakness against it, that's actually a blessing. And I'm comfortable with it because it means if I'm powerless, I am not responsible for making this clock tick. I'm not responsible for the outcome. Now, it doesn't mean I get lazy and I just push it away, but it means I just say, you know what, Lord, I can't do this. I cannot do this. Um, several years ago, I'm a school teacher, and several years ago, it just dawned on me, you know what, when you make those awkward parent calls that you have to as a school teacher, bring God into the picture. Because there's what you want to say, and then there's what really needs to be said. What I want to say is, you know, Mrs. Smith, I really think you were dabbling in the occult when you had this kid. <laughs> But that doesn't make that doesn't make for very good teacher parent relationships. So I go to Plan B, which is you know what, Lord, I want you to work in me. I want you to speak in me. I want you to work in the hearts and minds of the people I'm speaking to, and I want to do Your will. And I still do that. And I don't ever want to fall into the trap of, oh, this is Miss So and So. Yeah, I got this. Not a problem. Yeah, sure. Hey, you know that's not that's not going to work. I still want to turn that over. Um, and it's just so cool that I can just speak out anything. And I've never gotten anybody in this program who said to me, you know, really, you should be past that, Ed. You should be a bigger boy. You should have some big boy pants on now, and you should be able to handle that. I don't have to. Powerlessness can be a blessing because it means that you bring other people in. You bring God in. And that's how relationships are built. And that's how we make peace with our humanity. At least it's a big part of how I make peace with mine. So, thanks. Thanks, everybody. All right. Because our common welfare comes first, here are the guidelines for sharing during this meeting. We do not crosstalk. That is, we do not share. We share with the group as a whole rather than addressing any individual member. We speak in the I, not the we or the you. We leave our other identities at the door, including politics, religion, therapies, treatment centers, occupations, and other 12-step issues. We speak about and from the essay point of view. Our meetings focus on solutions to our essay approach to recovery. Whenever possible, we avoid the mention of titles and authors that are not essay or AA-approved literature. In participation, we avoid topics that can lead to dissension or distraction. We also avoid profanity, sexual descriptions, or sexually abusive language. In sharing, if the speaker brings up a controversial topic or deviates from our guidelines, the moderator will interrupt the speaker and ask them to honor our request. Please note that your shares will be recorded. In sharing, we encourage you to focus on the topic of the meeting. This is not a check-in meeting. If you need to check in, please find a temporary sponsor, someone with a purple stripe on their name tag. After the meeting, with whom you can share. 
We ask those who wish to share to please come up and sit in the chairs next to the microphone in the queue. As one person moves to the sharing chair, the others just move over and another person takes the empty chair. So that as many members as possible have a chance to share, please limit your sharing to a maximum of two minutes or less. A stop sign will remind you when you have reached two minutes. Please speak into the microphone so that those who listen to the recording can follow the discussion. The meeting is now open for sharing. Not everybody at once. <laughs> <laughs> My name's Ben. I'm a sexaholic. Hey, Ben. So this, I really like this topic. I was excited to come here. I definitely, I just did my uh, four-step inventory. Um, so weaknesses are definitely on my mind. And um, definitely earlier someone had shared about um, it not being done. Like it's not you get everything down on paper and you confess it and it's over with. Um, the first breakout session I was in today, I have like four or five things that I now need to go back and add and then confess to my inventory. And it's only been like three days. Um, yeah, and then and then something another um, speaker had said about um, about not having to be completely absolved of those weaknesses, um, but instead those weaknesses are a way we connect with our higher power. Um, that's something I really relate to with my sponsor, especially um, because he has an extended length of sobriety. Um, he's worked the steps. He's uh, I really look up to him a lot, and he always is is extremely humble and reciprocates um, when I share some of the things I'm struggling struggling with um, that he's also struggling with the same things I am um, just manifesting in different ways whether it's pride whether it's anger whether it's fear whether it's resentment uh, that, that is um, not only something that's still present in his life but something that is present in such a way to where he he knows that he can immediately surrender that over to his higher power to God and uh experience freedom from that and so um, that's been awesome to see and it's been a great model for me as well um, so yeah thanks so much for letting me share thanks, thanks, thanks. hi I'm Alina and I'm a sexaholic hi, hi. Um, I think the first time I'd heard the phrase leading with your weakness was actually after I'd already done it <laughs> because I was I, I was asked to spare, share spiritually at church on a topic that was addiction related and I felt inclined through prayer to share um, just the fact that at times I was struggling and was not uh, spiritually holding the standards that um, I wanted to live at church and I was like, no, I'm not supposed to do this. This is, and but I really felt directed to share, and my sponsor wasn't able to get back with me before I had to do it. Didn't feel that inspiration till like the night before. <laughs> so by the time I called to ask, there wasn't enough time to get the feedback. But what I found was because I did listen to my higher powers direction, it was something I was directed to do. Um, and at the time, I thought, well, maybe someone else needs to hear this experience so that they'll know it's worth the effort to, to get back in good spiritual standing. And I don't know if that ever happened. This was like three, four years ago. But what I do know is that I felt better, that the Lord knew that I needed to share with my congregation in a way that I was not 
I felt like I was hiding. I felt like I had hid my addiction and I had, held, hid, had to hide my recovery. Um, and it was a way of sharing that I needed, um, in, a, in, a, in a way, uh, it, it was a little bit like a fifth step in, in a, in a uh, very generic way. But it, what I, it really let me learn. And so then when I was sharing the experience with my sponsor, she said, I, I guess you needed to lead with your weakness. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that, that's, that's what I was doing. But, not, but when I realized I was doing it for someone else, and it let the the Lord work on me, and, and when I was willing to try to help someone else, um, and that was that's been my experience with leading my weakness. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Alina. Alina. Okay. Good afternoon. I'm Bruno Sexonic. Hey, Bruno. Um, so for me, a good part of my addiction was the um, an addiction to perfectionism. Mm-hmm. And somehow I uh, was made uh, to believe early on that I needed to project at least an image of being strong and being perfect and you know, being the perfect child and the perfect uh, husband or the perfect uh, professional. So, so what happened to me that the more, you know, the more successful I got in my uh, professional life, um, the more a gap started to open between my projection uh, personality and who I really was because mm-hmm. I was broken and at that time addiction was raging and and the addiction you know fed on that gap but the more the gap grew between my external um, let's say facade and who I was really you know generated stress generated a lot of anxiety um, but I could I didn't know how to get out of that and the only way to get out of that was to get deeper in, into my addiction because I had to get away or to um, to try to uh, find a way to help that stress. And it's only when I started to get into the program, the recovery, and I had that help from you guys and from my higher power that I made a conscious decision to lead by my weaknesses and to admit that I was I was not perfect, but it was scary. <laughs> it was really scary. It's, it's only little by little that it was not a big like a big uh, you know gathering and say, hey guys, here's who I am. Really, it was just small things, and little by little, I was a little bit more comfortable to show the aspect of me that was not that was not perfect. And I would say a good part of my recovery was to admit and to accept my brokenness. Um, that's what, um, that's what I, f- I found, you know, my higher power and you guys to help me through that process, but it was the main, um, the main trick, the main, um, I mean, the main discovery, I would say, epiphany of my recovery. So thanks for that, Michelle. Thanks, thanks for having uh, Hey, I'm Sarah, sexaholic. Hey, Sarah. Uh, I wanted to share just quickly an experience um, I had my um, three sons play a lot of baseball and uh, my middle son was on this team um, uh, the coach was a friend like my older boy was close friends with his older boy they had lots of sleepovers the, this family went to our church we knew we knew this family and uh, this this head coach was a friend. Um, 
But the assistant coach kept putting his son in all these positions. He couldn't do anything. It was driving everybody crazy, bragging up on him. Uh, now, baseball, being at the ballpark is like my happy place. I see all these crazy parents who do crazy stuff. I'm never like that. That is not my, <laughs> that's not how I am. Usually I'm there with um, some younger kids and my dogs, and I'm just happy, and I'm just so happy to be there. But, yes, this assistant coach was driving me crazy. He was getting to me, and he was, like, getting in on my happy space, which wasn't, uh, I don't know, I just, it had been bugging me for a while. So what happened was, um, just one night I was in rare form. I don't normally behave like this, but I got a little frustrated, and I walked straight over to the dugout, and I told the coach, who was our friend, right in front of the other coach, that that kid better, I don't know what I said, but it wasn't nice, and it was about the kid, and his father was there, and he knew that I was talking about his kid, and it was ugly. And my husband, I can remember, like, storming past his, like, camp chair and him being like, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, he saw that coming. <laughs> Anyways, um, once I said my piece and stormed off, I took my little dog, you know, for a walk. And I could see they immediately put my son in. And it... The whole game went downhill from there. So anyways, while I was out there watching, I realized that I had behaved badly. And after, as soon as the game was over and all the coaches came out of the dugout, um, I had recently worked the last of the steps. And I walked straight up to that coach and I said, I was wrong to behave that way. What I did was wrong. And he is a friend and also just a cool guy. He was like, oh, no, don't worry about it. But it felt so good to say I was wrong. I said mm -hmm. it again, like five times at least. I said, no, no, I was wrong. I was in the wrong. And he was like, yeah, it's okay. It'll be okay. I'm like, well, that was wrong. Uh, my actions were wrong. And it felt so good. I didn't think it was going to feel that good, but sometimes just putting it out there really heals everything. And it really made it so that I could go back to the next game and just sit there and be with my friends again and made everything okay. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, Sarah. I'm Bob, a sexaholic. Bob. Hey, Bob. Um, <clears throat> I was sitting over there, and I I did I didn't want to share, but uh, sometimes my higher power just keeps tapping on my shoulder. <laughs> so you finally just give in and you say okay. And so I asked my higher power, "What am I going to say?" And uh, I can't really come up with anything. <laughs> <laughs> but I, since we're leading with our weakness, um, I thought you know. It's weird, but when you sit here and you're thinking about what should I leave with my weakness, and and I can't come up with any weaknesses. I know I've got tons of them, but uh, I can say though that uh, my most recent sponsor, um, when we started getting together and on phone calls and things like that. Um, in fact, my sponsors in this room, I won't mention Ed by name, but uh, he's here. <laughs> oh, here he is. <laughs> But uh, he would uh, he would always like I I think okay I, you know when you first call a new sponsor up it's you, you know in the back of my mind it's like okay it's hammer time mm -hmm. you know <laughs> but it's that's not the way it was uh, mm -hmm. always my sponsor would lead with his weakness 
And I was like, whoa. He shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's a sponsor. And uh, and so now that I have two sponsees and I talk to them, I, I, whenever, whenever we start the phone call, I keep thinking, okay, at some point during this conversation, I need to talk about my weakness, you know, lead with my weakness or talk about a weakness that I have or talk about a challenge that I have because... They're 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 you know they're willing to talk about their challenges and their weaknesses, and uh, but I'm, I'm I was glad for the example of that and uh, and then I'm following that example. Gosh, and I managed to take two minutes to do that. <laughs> All right, thanks. Thanks, thanks, Bob. thanks Bob. Bob. Two minutes goes fast. Mm-hmm. I'm Robinson. I'm a sexaholic. Hey, hey Robinson. I um, I went to the session earlier about um, rigorous honesty, and I can't think about leading with my weakness without talking about rigorous honesty. And um, I just wanted to share the first few years of my experience in this program were characterized by a lot of dishonesty and a lot of holding on to my weaknesses. Um, it's like I took 90% of what I heard and said, yeah, I can I can definitely do that. I can agree with that at least. But that little bit of weakness that I just was going to take to the grave, that I just never could admit to anybody on the earth except, uh, you know, myself, I guess. But um, I just held on to that. And, you know, three and a half years uh, was my length of time in that in that place. And, you know, at the end of three and a half years, I was no better. In fact, I was worse than when I walked in the front door uh, the first time. And... Uh, so, you know, like, I started to finally let go, and it made all the difference. I finally started to believe what I was hearing. I started to, you know, see it in others. And and, and I'll say this, too. It was only because I saw it in others that I finally had enough courage to do it myself. Um, but, you know, it's there. there's a difference. There's a big difference between, you know, doing doing half measures and doing this completely in full, and I'm grateful for the topic and the speakers today. Thanks. Thanks, Robert. Hi, I'm Frank, sexaholic. Hi, Frank. Frank. Um, this, this topic is interesting to me because, um, for me, weakness has always been something... The thing I hate about weakness is it's got such a negative connotation, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, Let's talk about our weaknesses. I mean, it's kind of like, let's tear ourselves down. Um, and for me, it's always been a question of, do I really want to admit that I have weaknesses? Shouldn't I be building up my strengths? Isn't that, isn't that what's going to get me through? And I recall any of you that have gone to job interviews, you know, if you ever p- prepare for a job interview, it's like, the interviewer is going to ask you, what's your greatest weakness, right? So how do you answer that? And the, 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 the advice is always to take a strength and disguise it as a weakness. You know? <laughs> it's like, I am so, so passionate about this job that sometimes I just run people over because I'm so good. You know, and, you know it's so... Weakness is just... You don't talk about weaknesses. You know, it's, it's, and, and I was in that mind, mindset. I came into the program and I'm like, 
now I don't have any weaknesses because that's going that's that's what ruined me. Um, so I just remember going over the steps the first time, and the first step is we admitted we were powerless over lust, that our lives had become unmanageable, and that's like, wait a minute, no, I I can't do this, I can't admit this. But I got through that, and once I could finally admit, yes, I have weaknesses, yes. My weaknesses contributed to the mess that my life was in. Um, and it's okay, you know, it's not, I don't have to try to disguise it. I can, I could admit it. Who are those two minutes go fast? <laughs> um, I guess that's all I got. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks I'm Tim, I'm a sexaholic. Such an awesome topic and uh, great shares. Um, I've learned over time that uh, when I don't understand something or something is a paradox, uh, usually God's involved. And uh, this is one of those paradoxes for me that when I lead with my weakness, somehow that allows me to have strength. And and um, you know, even the first thing that uh, that we say or that I say at a meeting is that I'm a sexaholic. Right, and that's me leading with a weakness to recognize that I have a disease that I can't fix. Um, and so, but by saying that, by saying I'm a sexaholic and admitting I'm a sexaholic, I get the strength to overcome it. Um, and that's a paradox. I, I will never understand that. I'll never understand that concept. So for me, that's God. Uh, but it's it's... But at the same time, it's also really great to see it happen. And for me, specifically, the hardest time for me to admit my weaknesses is to my spouse. Um, because I just don't want to do it. I don't want to admit that I made mistakes. I don't want to admit that I'm selfish to my wife because <laughs> I want her to think great things about me. Um, and when I admit that I'm wrong or admit that I'm selfish or self-centered, then um, I'm scared that she's gonna think less of me. I, the same with my boss. I hate to admit weaknesses. Anybody that I feel like has any level of ability to define who I am, I struggle with that. But again, for me, that's where God comes in because to the extent that I can admit that, I also kind of break that a little bit of that power that I give them to say, you're gonna do, you know, how you think about me defines who I am. And by admitting I'm my weaknesses and many of those things, I let God start to define who I am. So it's a great topic. Thank you for your shares. And I nailed it. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. Thank you. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Tim. <laughs> Hello. I'm Abigail. Um I really like this a lot because I just learned um how to pinpoint my weaknesses, and how to admit that I have weaknesses. I always thought, um, this this has to be right. That's how I was taught, you know. Um, you know, that that's just wrong, whatever, you know. It, I can feel this way, you know, and do this, and then it's fine. But then I realized that's really weak, you know. And um, to admit that, it, it takes a lot to admit that, you know, you're wrong, you're weak. And to overcome it. So, um, listening to all these shares and everything has been, uh, really, 
really inspirational um, in my recovery personally because my biggest, biggest issue is admitting my weaknesses. And so um, the fact that everyone is so comfortable admitting them and talking about them, um, it has made me feel really, really good. So I just wanted to thank you all for your shares and teaching me a little bit, um, you know, along my way. So thanks. Thank thanks, you. Thanks, Abigail. Thanks. I'm John. I'm a sexaholic. Um, my biggest weaknesses are pride and fear. And those are the things that make me not want to share about my weaknesses. <laughs> and so it's like Paradox City, um, which Tim mentioned. And that's what I find to be the case, is that it's all of life is wrapped up in paradoxes. Um, all truth is, is wrapped up in these paradoxes that to overcome my fear, I have to be brave enough to be weak. I mean, <laughs> that's what it takes. Um, and if I will be brave enough to be weak, then strength is given to me from above. Um, I have to let go of being sufficient in order to be enough. I, I, I'm not sufficient. And then the sufficiency comes. You know? I can't make this marathon come together today. So I had to give it up. And it came together. Right? Um, the convention next year. You know, I'm involved with that too. I can't make that come together. But God, God will do it if I let it go. And it's amazing. Right? It's amazing. Um, just do that little next right thing which a lot of times is just being willing to be weak thanks for letting me share thanks you I think everyone's starting to fall asleep <laughs> hi I'm Lou sexaholic um, I think what came to mind for me is Leading when it comes to leading uh, with our weaknesses is being ra uh, at least my story. Being raised in church, we're supposed to be seen a certain way, and so um, my family was on the the leadership team at my church, and so for us to be admitting that we have a weakness, it's just um, like that's for me the hard part is we're like idealized as these people that are supposed to be examples and so to admit that you have a weakness is um, like that's the tension that I think um, you know showing ourselves as just, just flawed as anybody else so I think that's that's the um, the hard part so just kind of what I'm going through is being vulnerable and will others accept um me just what I am, even though not supposed to be. <laughs> so, thank you for sharing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
Well, that's all the time we have. Thank you for participating. Please join me in thanking our panel. Anything you have heard at this meeting is strictly the opinion of the individual participant. The principles of SA are found in our 12 Steps and 12 Traditions. This is an anonymous program. Please keep the name, address, phone number of anyone you meet or learn about an SA to yourself. And what you say here, let it stay here. Yeah. Remember, we never identify ourselves publicly with SA in the press, radio, TV, or films. Neither does anyone speak for SA. And let's circle up. And after a moment of silent meditation, I'd like to ask Matt to lead us in a prayer of the <laughs> Those inside and outside these rooms that are still suffering, I'll fall with this rain for Thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.